to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. In today's episode, I'm going to share a story that I have not told before. I've shared parts of this story. Some of the themes have come up before, but the story in its entirety is something that I haven't been able to talk about, partially because I hadn't had enough time to synthesize and make sense of it all, and partially because parts of it are really painful. And this was a story about a period that was really, really challenging for me. I want to tell it now. It's something I've been thinking about a lot as I've been working more with musicians, reconnecting with parts of my past, doing work to heal some of the wounds that I'm going to talk about in the episode. And I want to share it because I think it's an important part of who I am. And I do think that it can illuminate for you why I'm so passionate about working with musicians and artists and why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. I also want to share it for my own sake because I think that telling the story finally in its entirety will be helpful for me. So there's a little bit of a selfish motive as well. So what is this story exactly? What I want to talk about today is why I decided to leave the music world and then how I got back into it again. So for those of you who don't know, I wanted to be a professional musician for most of my life. I started playing piano when I was in kindergarten, and then later I played guitar, and then like a lot of American kids, I started playing uh, an instrument in band in the fifth grade. That instrument was the trombone. Later I also played the French horn, but trombone really became my main passion. And by the time I was in seventh or eighth grade, I had already gone through this little mini crisis in my head where I decided that despite the pressure from my family and from society that I really wanted to pursue my dream of being a musician. So from a very young age, really at the start of my teenage years, I knew that I wanted to be a musician. And I was really involved in both jazz and classical music throughout high school. But by the time I went to college, that dream had solidified into wanting to play in an orchestra. I really wanted to be in that back row of an orchestra, playing the great masterworks and doing all the things that are involved in an orchestral job. Throughout high school, I was super involved in music. It was my main extracurricular activity. I did Allstate for three years. I was at music-related summer camps every single summer. Uh, two of those summers I spent at Interlochen Arts Camp. I even actually tried to go to Interlochen for high school, but it uh, it's a boarding school for those of you who aren't familiar, but it didn't work out, and I'm actually glad that it didn't work out because I ended up having a great senior year back in Omaha. But I was doing all of this stuff, and I was super, super driven, and not only that, but I was having a lot of fun. Music was a really important part of my identity. Sure, I had other interests, I had other things 
going on in my life, but I was sort of known and I liked being known as the good musician, the person in high school who was really good at music and who wanted to go to music school. And I enjoyed being that person and I had a lot of fun doing it. Now, I'm sharing this because it's relevant to what's going to come later. So the time came for me to get ready to go to music school. Now, I did a lot of visits and took lessons with different teachers, but ultimately I only ended up auditioning at three schools. I auditioned at Juilliard, which is in New York City. I auditioned at the um, Northwestern in the Chicagoland area, and I auditioned for Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Now, I didn't get into Juilliard, but I did get into the other two schools. And ultimately, I decided to go to Northwestern largely because of Chicago. Again, this is a theme that's going to be important in my ultimate decision to leave music, ironically. I knew from a young age, even when I was living in Omaha, that I really wanted to be in a big city, that I loved the energy and the vibe and the diversity and opportunities that really only exist in a major city. In Chicago specifically, I loved that I had access to the Chicago Symphony. I knew that going to concerts was going to be a really important part of my development. And what an amazing resource to just be able to go hear one of the best orchestras in the world on a regular basis. There were other reasons why I made my decision to go to Northwestern. But ultimately, I really think that the city of Chicago and being able to live in the vicinity of Chicago was the most important factor. So I ended up at Northwestern. And then within five years, I had decided to leave the music world. So what happened in the interim? That's what I want to share with you today. Now, as I see it, there are a few major contributing factors to why I ultimately decided to end my dream of becoming a professional musician. The easiest one to talk about is location. So for those of you who aren't aware, when you are pursuing a job as an orchestral musician, you're at the mercy of jobs. So Positions in orchestras will come up, usually a handful a year for trombone, and you'll decide to take whatever auditions make sense for you. But you don't really have any control over where those auditions are. So, for example, there may be no openings in any major cities, and they may all be in smaller cities in different parts of the country. Now, I realized as I got older, something that's really important to me is the city where I live. It's funny that this became such a theme because I exemplified it when I chose to go to Northwestern, right? I chose to go to Northwestern largely because I really wanted to be in Chicago. And the more I was in Chicago, the more I realized that I love to be in a big city. It's really important to me. Um, I just feel a lot more at home and I feel a lot more like myself when I'm in that setting. I had a similar experience when I went to grad school in San Francisco. I fell in love with San Francisco. I loved the people, the nature, the city. It was such an amazing place to be. And I really felt so at home there. And I felt so happy there. I felt happy doing everything, commuting, walking around, exploring, meeting people. It was all so exciting and it just felt right to me. And the older I got and the more experiences I had like this in these two amazing cities, the more I realized that where I live is actually really important to my overall well-being and my sense of happiness. So this conflicts, of course, with this goal of being in an orchestra. Most people, when they win jobs, start winning jobs in smaller orchestras in smaller cities. And 
if I'm being honest, most of these places are not places that I would choose to live on my own. There's nothing against them. They're perfectly fine places and wonderful people live there. But just for my personality and my interests, they didn't feel right to me. And so if I were to go down this path, I would probably have to live in places that I wasn't as happy in order to pursue this dream of being eventually in a bigger orchestra. There's also no guarantee that just because you win a job in a smaller city that you will eventually win a larger job. These jobs are extremely competitive and it's honestly very difficult even just to win jobs in smaller orchestras. So I recognized that there was a real risk that I might end up living a lot of my life in a place that just didn't feel like a good fit for me. Now, in retrospect, I realized that there are so many other things I could have done in music, and I could have just chosen to live wherever I wanted and found a way to make it work, even if I wasn't going to be in an orchestra. But at the time, it just didn't really seem like a real possibility to me. And so, again, the longer I was in music, the more I just saw this increasing conflict of what it would take for me to achieve my dream and what was actually important to me and what I valued as a human. So that's the first issue. The second issue is really important. It's kind of a big topic that's a little difficult for me to unpack because there's so much that goes into it. For lack of a better word, I'll just call it mindset issues. So when I first went to music school, as I mentioned, music was a huge part of my identity. You might even say it was my entire identity. I loved music. I was super optimistic and excited about the future. And the longer that I was in music school, the more this started to shift and sour. There are a lot of reasons for this, one of which was the pressure that I felt. I felt pressure because I wasn't getting 100% support from all of my family members. I felt a lot of support from people like my mom, but other people were questioning me, questioning whether I was making a good decision, whether I could actually make a living as a musician. And I really felt a lot of pressure to prove these people wrong and show them, oh, I can actually do this. I do have what it takes. And then just in general in music school, things started to shift for me. You may have had this experience before, even if you're not pursuing some something at a really high level. If you do something for fun and it's just a hobby and you enjoy it and all of a sudden you realize that you have to rely on it to make money, things start to shift. So music was no longer just this fun thing that I did, that I was good at, that I enjoyed. It was, if you don't succeed at a high level, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. You're not going to be able to pay out the student loans that you took. You're going to be a failure. You're going to be homeless. You know, all this crazy shit that I would catastrophize. And some of it was based in reality, right? Because I had invested time and money to be in school studying music when maybe I could have been studying something else. I started to recognize just how competitive and hard it was to win these orchestral jobs that I really wanted. And I felt gradually like these walls were closing in on me. I felt like I wasn't progressing as fast as I needed to, quote unquote, in order to win a job and make a living. I felt like I wasn't doing as well as other people expected of me. And I felt like I was letting people down. And I didn't really have a way to talk about this with people. And so I sort of suffered in silence. I started to feel less optimistic about how good I was, how capable I was of doing what I wanted to do. And there were other things that compounded this as well. So in retrospect, there were so many things that I really wasn't mentally and emotionally prepared for when I went to music school. 
Now, as an adult who's been in the world for some time, who's been to therapy, who's had a lot of time to think and reflect, I think if I was back in the position that I was in when I was 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, I would have been a lot more mentally and emotionally solid. But at the time, I didn't know any of this. And of course, there's no way to go back. So not only did I feel this pressure to succeed or else, I also started to have a lot of mental issues around playing. So these things are related, of course. We used to have these auditions at Northwestern called pool auditions every quarter, which is like a semester, except we had three of them in a year instead of two. We had pool auditions, which were for ensembles. And in my trombone studio, every single pool audition was the same for orchestral excerpts. We played uh, Ride at the Valkyries. We played Hungar- Berlioz's Hungarian March. We played Bolero and we played Mozart's Tuba Mirum. And as time went on, I had some bad pool auditions. And each time I didn't do well in a pool audition and I didn't get placed in a higher ensemble, I took it so personally because I saw it as a reflection of my future success. I would think, wow, I can't even do well in a pool audition at Northwestern. How am I going to win an orchestral job? And I'd have a bad audition and it would just absolutely crush me. I would be incredibly depressed. I would think that I was an absolute failure, you know, piece of shit person no good, like really terrible things I would say to myself. And I didn't really have anyone to talk to about this because I felt like every time I tried to talk about it, the response that I would get from classmates and other people was like, well, you just need to have a thicker skin. You just need to not let it affect you. You need to let it slide off of you. And when I wasn't able to do that, it just made me feel worse. It made me think, wow, like, I'm such a fucked up person that not only can I not play well in these pool auditions, but everyone else seems to be taking it in stride and not stressing about it. Meanwhile, I'm over here freaking out, thinking it's the end of the world. Now, whether or not that's actually true is a whole nother matter. Uh, As I've gotten older and reconnected or spoken more about this with my friends and classmates, I realized that other people were struggling too. But there was just no venue to talk about these things. And talking about them almost felt like a taboo. And so I was really suffering. And this suffering, of course, then affected my playing. This is like a vicious cycle that happened. So I felt pressure to succeed. And then when I didn't do as well as I wanted to or as well as I thought that I should, I talked down to myself. I treated myself badly. I thought that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, forecasting that I would never, ever be successful or achieve my dreams. And then that would really get in my head in my practice. My practice became frustrating. It became upsetting. And then when I would play, I started to have terrible performance anxiety. I thought I would play maybe okay in the practice room. And then I'd get up in studio class and I'd be shaking and I couldn't catch my breath, which as a brass player would seriously affect the quality of my playing. And then I would get critical feedback, which I would take really personally. And it just fueled the cycle. One great way that this was exemplified in addition to my struggle with pool auditions was when I would record tapes for auditions. So if you're not in the music world, you may not be familiar that there's a lot of opportunities that require you to record audition tapes. So these would be things like solo competitions. They would be auditions for summer programs, which are really important. And I would go to record these. Let's say I had to play a solo. So I would play the first few bars and I would make a mistake. And I would stop the recording and I would start again and I'd make another mistake and I'd stop the recording and start again. And I would end up with like 50 half takes, which of course would exhaust my ability to play well. And I would get so stressed out that it would prevent me from just relaxing and connecting with the music and playing well. 
So recording these tapes was just an exercise in like bashing myself over the head metaphorically, trying to be so perfect, putting so much pressure on myself. And then when I couldn't do it, just thinking that that, you know, was the end of the world and it was a disaster. And then I wouldn't do as well as I thought that I should. I wouldn't get into these programs and it just fueled the whole cycle all over again. So I had all these hangups about my playing. I was incredibly anxious. I was depressed. I was treating myself terribly. And I really, again, felt like I didn't have a lot of people to talk to about this because I felt like it was taboo or that I felt like I would talk to people and they would take it as like, oh, Caroline's not going to make it. I definitely felt like there was a unspoken thing in the music school that people who quit or left the music school, they didn't have what it took, quote unquote. They couldn't hack it. And I felt like when people would hear this, um, they would feel better about themselves. And probably the reason I felt that way about others is because I felt that way because I was so insecure and I thought that okay there's so many people competing for me that are so good like if somebody drops out or something happens to somebody else like it's better for me and I I feel embarrassed to admit that but it's because I was so in my head and I was so afraid. Now when I was a junior at Northwestern I did end up advancing in a solo competition and I was really happy I felt like I was doing well in my playing and then Over winter break, I went skiing with my family. I'd been skiing many, many times before. When I was a kid, we used to go skiing every year. Nobody had ever gotten hurt. And this one time I fell. It was a super lame fall too. I was at the end of the run, like about to get on the lift. I wasn't even doing anything cool. I hit a patch of ice and I fell basically head first and landed on my wrist. And I ended up destroying my wrist. My wrist was shattered and I had to have surgery to have it reconstructed. And even to this day, I have a titanium plate in my wrist. (laughs) Now, the timing of this couldn't have been worse because I broke my left wrist, which is the wrist I used to hold my trombone. And I was supposed to go perform in this solo competition in March. So it was like three months. Now, a lot of playing related injuries, people can continue to play. But this one, I couldn't play because I literally could not hold my trombone. I had to get special permission from the music deans to not take ensembles for a semester. Like that's how bad the issue was. And so, of course, I was so depressed about this because finally I had a chance to do something really exciting in my career and I broke my wrist in a freak accident. Now, I did end up going to compete. I was able finally to play again maybe a month or so before the competition, but I didn't play as well as I felt that I could have otherwise. And I really, this only fueled my mental issues. So I had all this stuff, like it was just so difficult for me to approach practicing and performing in a healthy way because I didn't have anyone to talk to really to give me encouragement, to tell me that I wasn't alone, to give me advice on how to work through these things. And just, I have tendencies in general to be depressed, to be anxious, to be hard on myself. And this only fueled that. So all of this just really soured my experience of music. It made me terrified to perform. I was no longer excited. I felt like a failure. All of the optimism and fun and hope that I entered music school was starting to be drained away. Now, I don't want it to seem like I had a really bad time, like, overall at Northwestern. I don't really have any regrets about going there. I had a lot of great opportunities, great teaching, great experiences, and I really honestly don't regret going there. But I do wish that I had been in a much better mental place or that I'd had the wherewithal to get the help that I needed because I think that 
I probably could have worked through a lot of the issues that I was having if I just knew how to talk about it and if I knew how to take better care of my mental health and if I had access to some of the performance psychology information that is so popular today. So all of this contributed to the final piece of the puzzle that caused me to leave the music world. After Northwestern, I went to grad school, partially because I had had a great experience in San Francisco and I really wanted to be there, and partially because I didn't know what else to do. I was too afraid to start taking orchestral auditions because I was so convinced that I would fail. And I wanted more time to practice and work with a great teacher. So I went to the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, and I went there with one of my best friends from Northwestern. We were in the trombone studio together. He was definitely my closest friend in the studio, and honestly, one of my best friends in general. I was really excited to be there with him. And he is now a really successful uh, contemporary avant-garde musician, living in Berlin, doing a lot of really cool, exciting things. So at the time we went to SFCM, he was I think, engaged in his own process of discovery and experimentation. He had already been into contemporary music at Northwestern, but he got really into it in San Francisco. And him and I used to have a lot of conversations about classical music and being in an orchestra. And both of us were starting to get kind of disillusioned with the classical music world. Another part of this transformation in my head was that In my final years at Northwestern, I had gotten really into electronic music. For anyone who's not familiar, I'm extremely interested in, for lack of a better word, underground electronic music. So house and techno, but also ambient and experimental music. And this was something that I really fell in love with partway through college. And when I turned 21 and was able to go out to clubs in Chicago and experience this music live, my interest only skyrocketed. I was so into it. I was so passionate, excited about the music. I was meeting cool people, I was having awesome experiences, and really falling deeply in love with the music. And I remember that a lot of people at Northwestern didn't have much respect for electronic music, or at least that was the vibe that I got at the time. I actually took a class in the musicology department about electronic music, and I remember being really excited about it, and most of my classmates thinking, this is an easy elective, I don't really give a shit, this isn't real music. Like, I really got the idea that people thought that it was not real music, that these performers were not real musicians, that they were superior to them. And that may or may not have been true, but that was how I felt. And I felt that as I was getting interested in it, a lot of people thought that I was like going off the deep end, including my partner at the time, didn't understand, didn't want to understand, thought that I was crazy. And this kind of hurt me because I was so excited and I thought, wow, these are musicians, like they should be open or they might be open to different things. And I felt like people were really closed minded. And when I moved to San Francisco, I just continued to get really involved in electronic music. I was going out to clubs. I was meeting a lot of really cool people. I was having, again, more cool experiences and just loving the music. And I couldn't understand Um, where the classical music world fit into this. I felt like people were really stuffy. I felt like people weren't interested in new things and and being open-minded. I felt maybe like people were threatened by this. And I just felt more and more like my interests weren't accepted in the world that I was in. So, you know, my friend and I, we were having a lot of conversations about the role of modern music versus playing these classical masterworks, the role of an orchestra, what our prospects were in the music world. And then I was also having all these great experiences in a totally different kind of music. And I just felt 
more and more like I didn't really belong in the classical music world. And I started to become really disillusioned with the whole thing, with the process of auditioning, with the way that orchestras worked, with all of the gatekeeping and with the fact that all orchestras did, in my opinion at the time, was they just played music from old dead white guys that lived in Europe. And I thought, you know, where is the connection to the modern world? Like, how is this relevant? And I got to a point where I couldn't really reconcile those differences. So that combined with the other two things, really the mental thing was was so huge because it just so demoralized me and it made it really difficult for me to do the things I needed to do to get better. I remember emailing one of my professors uh, from Northwestern, someone that I met in high school and had worked with for years. So I, I emailed him when I was at SFCM And I said, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I'm not sure if I want to do this. And the advice that he gave me, which was really good advice, to be honest, was like, it's really difficult to make it in the classical music world. And if your heart isn't in it, you should just get out and do something else because you're only going to drive yourself crazy. Basically, you're not going to do the things you need to do to succeed. And there's so many other things that you could do in your life. And it it, it sounds kind of negative as I'm saying it, but it was a really positive, helpful email for me. So What I ended up doing was after my first semester, I decided to take a leave of absence. Now, I stayed a whole nother semester because I had a job with the San Francisco Symphony in a chamber music program that they have called Adventures in Music. So I was in a low brass trio and we went to all the elementary schools in the city and played concerts. Honestly, it was super fun. It was a great final experience as a professional musician. But then when that semester was over, my heart just wasn't in it. And I knew that I couldn't go back to SFCM. So... I had another semester to take a leave of absence, but I ended up moving back to Chicago. And then when that second semester was up, I informed them that I wasn't going back. Now, this period was really, really painful for me because even though I knew that I was making the right decision and I felt really firm in my conviction, it's a whole nother matter to convince all the people in my life that I was doing the right thing. So my mom had really supported me in my dream of music. And now I had to tell her that actually... I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, she's very supportive of me now, but I think at the time it was difficult for her. And maybe she thought I was just being, um, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but not making a great decision, not thinking it through. And it was so hard to explain to people why I wanted to leave because I had so much mental and emotional baggage and I was so hard on myself and I felt so ashamed. I didn't really have the words to explain it to people. And so I ended up moving back to Chicago and the whole time I was getting a lot of pressure from different people to to get a real real job, quote unquote, um, not to do what I was doing, to go back into music. And I really felt like I needed a complete break. So when I moved back, I continued working as a trainer. I've shared this story before, but I eventually decided to do training full time. I'm really actually very lucky that I had training as an option, something that I loved and was passionate about. Because I tried applying to other jobs and I didn't really have any real skills at the time and I didn't get any callbacks for interviews and it was really demoralizing. So I'm lucky, really lucky that I was able to transition to fitness. That's, again, a topic for another episode that I have talked about before. But basically, I completely removed myself from the music world. I did not play my instruments for years. I didn't go to any concerts. I did go to one Chicago Symphony concert in like Maybe 2016 or 2017, my professor at Northwestern premiered a concerto with the orchestra, so I went to see that. But I didn't go to any other concerts. I didn't listen to any classical music. And I really didn't talk to anybody from the classical music world. 
it was so painful and so hard to leave my dream behind that I had to just remove myself and not think about it very much. So what happened to bring me back into the music world? During the pandemic, when I was laid off from my gym job and I was at home, stressed out, wondering about the state of the world like everybody else, I found myself coming back to classical music. And I found myself listening to it again and really loving it and really feeling so deeply connected to the music in a way that I had forgotten. I'd forgotten that at one point in time, I wanted to be in classical music because I loved the music and I loved listening to it. I had become so wrapped up in problems with my own playing and my own prospects and also having trouble reconciling my love for new music and electronic music with this art form that felt like it was really stuck in the past. But when I just went back and started listening to the music with no expectations, no pressure on myself, I reconnected with my love of it. So it started with listening to just piano, solo piano works, which I really love. I was listening to the Chopin ballads and the Beethoven piano sonatas and something just felt like it clicked in me again. And then I started re-listening to all these orchestral pieces, big symphonies, chamber music works, trombone, soloists, things that I had really loved back in the day. And again, I just felt inspired by the music and I felt moved by it. And I realized that something was shifting in me. I realized that I hadn't actually taken the time to process and heal from the really painful experience of saying goodbye to my musical dreams. Like I mentioned earlier, at this time too, I had also done a lot of work on myself. Now I'm absolutely still a work in progress, but I had gone to therapy for years, largely because of my issues with an eating disorder. But I had learned a lot about myself that really made sense when I thought about why did I have such a hard time in the music world? And I realized that I was in a better place to go back and start revisiting some of my experiences and to forgive myself and to heal from some of the things that I had put myself through and that I had been subjected to throughout my years in in music school and as a young professional musician. I also started going back to concerts. So the CSO, I think it was spring of 2021, they did a few concerts with limited ensemble and limited audience because there were still a lot of COVID restrictions in place. And I remember they did one that was like a brass ensemble. And I went to the concert And I remember all these feelings came up when I was in the audience that I wasn't prepared for. It was my old professor conducting. And I just realized that I hadn't given myself the time to grieve the fact that I was never going to be on a stage like that. And that that was okay. And that except that I had made the right decision for myself at the time, but also that I needed to give myself space to feel those feelings again. And just to, again, give myself time to grieve and mourn the loss of that dream. And after that, I really started diving back into the music world. I started going to a lot of Chicago Symphony concerts and other concerts. I reconnected with people at Northwestern and I went to studio class. I started hanging out more with people from the music world. And I also realized in my own coaching business that I really wanted to work more with musicians and artists. I remembered how much at one point I had loved being in the music world and how much I loved the people in it. And I recognized that even though I was no longer pursuing my dream as a professional musician, professional musician, excuse me, that I was still that same sensitive artistic person at heart and that I could relate to musicians and artists in a way that I think a lot of people in the fitness industry cannot because they're coming more from the athlete side, 
Um, not that, you know, athletes aren't sensitive, aren't artists or whatever, but I think that a lot of the things that musicians face are just a little bit different. And so I really started to reconnect with that side of my business as well. Now, these days, I feel like I have healed a lot of the wounds that I left kind of unsettled from that time. I've accepted that I was just through no fault of my own, not mentally and emotionally prepared for the rigors of music school, that I was not in a good place, that I was mentally unhealthy, to be honest, and that a lot of that affected my ability to show up and play. Again, that's not my fault, and I can't go back and change it. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm like a failure. It just means that I was maybe in the wrong place at the wrong time and that I needed to make a different uh, pivot, go in a different direction in my life. It also doesn't mean that I can't be involved in music and I can't consider myself a musician or an artistic person. I can help in the ways that I am able to. You know, I can use my skill set to help musicians live better lives, help artists connect and bring their best selves to their work through physical fitness and nutrition. And also, like, I can go to concerts and I can go to gallery shows and I can do all of this stuff and I don't have to be on stage to appreciate it. I actually find a like a great sense of closure and happiness in the fact that I can be like a paying audience member, someone who connects with music and who wants to go to shows, not because I want to be on stage or anything like that, not because I think that I should do it, but just because I like really honestly love the music and I love the art and the experience of it. Part of this also has been a shift in me and recognizing that in, at least in my life, I think there's a place for all types of music. And actually recognizing that there's a lot more similarities between my love of instrumental, long form electronic music and my love of symphonic music and classical music. When I was first getting into it, partially because I was so desperate to succeed and fit in in the music world as a classical musician, I felt really threatened by the fact that people didn't seem to understand electronic music. Now, I think that actually has shifted to some degree now, you know, 10 years later. But I'm also just more secure in myself. And I recognize that I have maybe some eclectic interests. And that's fine that I can love going to the symphony. And I can also love going to a club or going to a show. And those two things don't have to cancel each other out. And also, like I said, I see this is a a conversation probably for another episode, but I see a lot of similarities between my love of these types of music and it just makes a lot more sense to me. So in general, I'm just a lot more secure. And part of that is because I, I don't have to win auditions and I don't have to put myself out there anymore. But part of it is just through the growth that I've done and some of the work on accepting myself that I've done. So really like I, I feel now that there is so much good in the classical music world and the orchestral music world. And I want to be a part of it as a, a fan, you know, as a supporter in the audience. And it's okay that I'm not playing on stage and I can still be a part of it in the ways that work for me in my life right now. So I hope that this story has made sense. Like I said, I haven't talked about it much before because it's it's been painful, really, especially in the more recent years when I realized, oh, like I didn't actually process any of this. I just put it in a box and didn't think about it. And now I've opened the box and I actually have to deal with it. Um, and partially just because there's so many things that went into it and it's it's difficult maybe to synthesize it all in a way that makes sense. But basically, when I was younger, music was a huge part of my identity. I loved it. I was optimistic. But when I went to music school, I just put so much pressure on myself to succeed. 
that it sucked all the fun out of it. And then to compound that, issues with mental health probably played into my tendency to be really, really hard on myself, uh, to not be able to focus, to be anxious, to not be able to bring my best self to the stage, which then only made me more panicked and more afraid about the future. Along with that was just the fact that I started to become interested in other things in music and I felt a little bit like I didn't fit in in the classical music world and that people weren't respecting me and I was insecure and I wanted to be respected and I wanted to be taken seriously and it rubbed me the wrong way. And then of course also my desire to have more control over where I live did play some part as well. When I left the music world I really didn't think about it for a long time. I was really into electronic music. I was trying to become a great trainer and and change my career. And then when I was finally ready to re-examine it, I just realized that, wow, this is like something that was really important to me. It was a big part of my life and I don't want to shut it out forever. I want to re-enter the music world and I want to contribute and I want to be connected to it and I want to go experience it. And when I say music world, I mean uh, classical music specifically. So these days, I love going to the symphony. I love going to concerts. I still go to electronic music. I listen to all of it. I love working with my musician clients. I love the fact that I have a set of skills and expertise that can help them bring their best selves to their work because I want them to. Like I want there to be great music. I want to go to concerts and be inspired, and I want people to be able to pursue their own dreams. So I hope this maybe is illuminating for you. Like I said, I really wanted to share it because I haven't talked about it and I think that sharing it is important for me. If you have questions about this or if you're in the music world yourself and you're you're feeling any of these feelings that I dealt with, like I'd love to talk about it. I do think that there are a lot of people now that are sharing information that would have been helpful to me in music school. Things about performance anxiety, about how to structure practice. And honestly, just the idea that like you don't necessarily have to be at a certain place at a certain time. That growth happens for people at different stages. And if you're able to take care of yourself and if you're sticking it out and you're still interested in it, that you can find your own type of success. Because I don't feel like I I got that message. So hopefully people these days that need need help like I needed help will be able to get it so I'm, I'm definitely more optimistic about the future of music and music education just because I think there are a lot of people doing really excellent work to help and support musicians and if I can play a part in that through helping people with their physical issues I am honored honestly to be able to do that so thank you for listening um If you have questions about this or you want me to talk about a certain topic in a future episode, or if you have a guest request, since we're doing a lot of guest episodes now, please DM me on Instagram. My handle is just my name, at Caroline Juster. I always respond to DMs. I love getting them and I love hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong. Oh, 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 oh,